Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? Yes. How are you? Mark Marin in San Francisco in a hotel room waiting to go do a sound check for the Bring the Rock show that Greg Barrett asked me to do. I have been avoiding playing guitar and singing in front of people for almost my entire life. Almost my entire life. Nothing has frightened me more because of an experience I had, I think when I was like 15 years old at a music and arts camp, but I put a group of guys together, got on stage and it was horrible, just horrible. And there was nothing I could do about it. And there's just something so vulnerable about singing. And now, of course, like the, the, the day of the first show, the format of the show is you tell a story and then the band's supposed to play a song from the band you mentioned in the story or the song you mentioned in the story. But, you know, I play. So I said, let me play. And Greg's like, OK. But I did this once before and I bailed. And I don't know if I'm going to bail tonight, but I'm freaking out, man. I couldn't sleep. I feel all fucked up. My throat, like, of course, this happens to me sometimes where, like, I know I have to do something tonight. Like, this happens to me before I do television sometimes where my throat feels a little tight, maybe a little scratchy. Y'all know if it's going to happen. I don't know. It's just amazing how fear mangles my body when I have to do something that uh, that I'm deeply afraid of. But I think I'm going to do it. I don't know. I think, I, I think I'm ready. I mean, I think... This band is great. We rehearsed it the other day and it went beautifully. And I, I think it should be fine. And I'm not feeling that freaked out about it. But I know once I get up there, God damn it. I don't know. The band is Dave Gibbs, Grant Lee Buffalo, Mark Rivers, who I've known for years. A great band, laid back. They're professionals. Man, when we did a rehearsal, I couldn't believe it. If you're an amateur guitar player and you play with other amateurs, just sort of weekend warrior shit, where you're just sort of like, oh, it's just jam. Within seven minutes, it's so loud, no one can hear anything. You can't hear your voice, you can't hear your guitar, you can't hear anything, but everyone thinks it's going great. It's horrendous. And then I sweat. I sweat almost immediately when I pick up a guitar. Uh, I'm freaking out a little bit. But what happened was we did these songs and uh, they were perfect. I mean, not perfect, but it felt great. They laid back, they followed me, did some background vocals with me and uh, I felt great in the uh, rehearsal studio. Man, we should have cut a record. Maybe we should, I mean, this could be it. What if this goes so well that I just choose to do this? I don't feel good, you guys. I don't feel great. My throat feel, does my throat sound all right? I have a headache too, I have a little headache and I'm a little tired. I didn't sleep that well. Did I bring that up already? But if this goes well, Maybe an album, Mark Marin, uh, just like Mark Marin, the music, something like that. Or Mar Mark Marin, the songs. Yeah. Something like that. Or Mark Marin sings. Hey. Maybe that. Or Mark Marin, feel it, fuckers. Oh, I'm fucking nervous. All right, I'll keep you in the loop here. Just hang out. Just hang out. All right, have some justcoffee.coop coffee and hang out. All right, I gotta, I gotta practice. Okay, so rehearsal went pretty good. I feel pretty confident, but I'm like, 
I, that's happened before. I've felt confident before, and I've gone up and just fucked it. This seems really fragile to me. I'm kind of excited, but I'm kind of sick. I feel kind of fluey. And uh, I don't think it's just about the nerves. This is fucking crazy. I'd, I'd much rather not do this, but I have to, you know, I have to get it out of my system. You know, enough already. You know, I don't want to die without having, you know, sung publicly. This is fucking ridiculous. Oh, fuck, man. What if my guitar buzzes? If I forget the chord, I think, uh, I don't feel well. My guest in my hotel room uh, in the cat garage away from home is uh, Grant, Grant Lee Phillips. That's what you go by, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Grant Lee Buffalo was a, a different name for a that different... That was the band, yeah. That was just the band. That was the band. And, and uh, well, you know what? I mean, it, all, it started with me not being sure what I what I was and what I wanted to do. And and so I thought, well, maybe, maybe I need like a, a David Bowie, uh, Ziggy, Stardust, Alter Ego, right? And uh -huh. so Grant Lee Buffalo was sort of that creation. And then... That became uh, the band name, you know. So now, okay, well, let's let, let's talk about that because you, <laughs> okay. I, you know, you're the same age. You're really my age. Um, you're legitimately my age. I mean, our really? birthdays are about three weeks apart. I think. Is that right? Well, wow. when's your birthday? Let's find out. Caller number hey, three. What's my birthday? Grantley <laughs> Phillips's birthday. Hey, uh, it, you're wrong. It's September 1st. I'm in the middle of an interview, Greg Fitzsimmons, and I'd certainly, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to talk to you, but I got no time right now. What are you doing? All right, let me call you up. I got a couple interviews lined up because I'm a professional, and I understand you are too, but I, I'm busy. I'll call you in a little while. <laughs> Bye. That was Greg Fitzsimmons. He's also a podcaster. He's in the hotel. It's a oh, big. Really? It's a podcasting hub this weekend. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, podcasters can like they they all come to the club quarters to do. Ah right. So right. no. So you're September first, right? I am. Yeah. Wow. I'm September twenty seventh, nineteen sixty three. Oh really? Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So did you make the? Uh, did you make the? Oh, so you're a definite Libra. I'm a Virgo. Oh, so okay. See, I made Virgo. the Libra cut. You are, yeah, yeah. That would be Libra. So I'm a little, I'm, yeah, I'm a little unbalanced. How about that? That's crazy, isn't it? That's so wild. when, like, because now that you bring up the Bowie period, mm -hmm. the the Grant Lee Phillips Bowie period, yeah. What what did you start as? You know what I I, I was a kid watching a, a Bing Crosby Christmas special. So you started as a crooner. Well, I didn't start as a crooner, but uh, I, I, I was watching a, a, one of those specials, right? Right. Bing Crosby, sure. Bob Hope used to have those kind of shows. And, and Bowie was a guest, and he's saying, I have no gift to bring. Right, a little drummer bum bum yeah. Yeah, yeah. my drum. And I was like, oh, that guy is kind of freaky. And that was around the time that Amanda Fowl the uh, Fowl to Earth right. had come out. And I, uh -huh. You know, all of the above. You know, I guess that's what you need. You need to be on a Bing Crosby special. You need to have a sci-fi flick, and um, and a record out, and then kids will find out about you. Well, they, but it's interesting you saw them in that context because, like, there are those moments in your life where you're like, "There's a that's a portal to something I don't understand." That's right. Yeah. That you know, here this guy because that that particular footage is so mind blowing because Bowie's clearly a freak. 
and oh, yeah, clearly yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. belong there. Yet he's respecting and fitting into this and singing beautifully. Oh yeah, but yeah. you just knew that he was a window. That's into, right. Into like I need to understand what's behind that weird eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, you know, I mean, I, I was I was picking up all those rock and roll magazines with you know photographs of both cream with the oh yeah crawdaddy parader hip parader all of those things you know and how and when did you start playing guitar i was 13 i think i had just uh well i got it for christmas when i was hmm, when i was 13 i suppose did you take right to it or was it something i did well you know what i didn't learn how to tune it for about a year or so so i just made noises for a year (laughs) just made (laughs) if i did if i you had an electric at 13 yeah my first guitar was an electric and uh yes an sg a nice little SG. A real SG? No, a fake one. A little Sears yeah. in number. But uh, um, yeah, that was great. And then I took a couple of lessons for a week or two with, um, you know, kind of a folky lady. Taught us a bunch of Gordon Lightfoot songs. And and I had no use for those things so much. But uh, If but you could chords, read could, my yeah. mind, girl. But, <laughs> but who, so outside of Bowie, who were the people that blew your mind that made you uh, learn how to play guitar a certain way? Well, you know, it's... it's uh, People like uh, Roy Clark when I was a kid, and Great Glenn Picker. Campbell, oh and, yeah, and then and Brian May of Queen, you know. So I, that's a nice jump, Johnny Cash, you know. Yeah, I, I think this, there's all of those things. There was a lot of reverb, maybe like. Well, those first those three are those are virtuoso uh, guitar players. Yeah, I they mean, were great guitar players. I mean, well, I mean, I think we grew up in that weird time where the wave of the '70s was crashing, and when we were in high school. I mean, you you know, Zeppelin was firmly in place, yeah. and there was a lot of that hard rock. And then I remembered, you must remember it, I mean, like when Van Halen's first album came mm-hmm. out, I mean, the entire parking lot was every every car window was open with eruption blaring. That's right. And then we had to go through Foreigner, we had to go through Heart. I mean, the shit, it wasn't until like what, like 77 or 78 where thin ties and buttons started showing up and then yeah. punk started breaking? yeah. There was a period where they, you know, it was all kind of happening at once. It's kind of like walking into a hot topic today. I suppose yeah. where you know some kid has a torn up you know uh, yeah heart punk, yeah punk rock sequin heart yeah. no those no. things don't go together no, you can't wrong. do you that can't. You know? <laughs> make a choice which <laughs> archetype are you following yeah yeah but did you did you grow up in a country western home uh, sort of yeah my 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 mom and dad were big country fans and you know we'd watch Hee Haw on the weekends and you know so I don't know the but Porter the, Wagner show oh yeah the Porter Wagner right? show yeah. He was a little creepy. He was a little creepy. <laughs> that, that wild hair. You and know? Johnny Cash had a, sh- a show on briefly when we were very young. Yeah. Do you remember watching that? Uh, you know what? I went back and got so, some DVDs that came out of uh-huh. that. And that was incredible because he had people like Neil Young and Bob Dylan. And Bob on, Dylan on. You know? Yeah. He was really he, supporter. He was kind of a rock and roll spirit. You know? Oh, yeah. So now when you did the first records, I mean, you've had a, a long career. And I guess what's interesting to me, and you know, I'm going to talk to Greg Barrett about it also, just as a performer, that... You know, you get past this certain point where you've had this career, you get great at what you do, you have a lot of fans and a lot of respect, but you find yourself, you kind of sort of, sort of, you get past the point of reinventing yourself and then you all of a sudden hit this place where you're like, I just got to be honest Mm. and I have to be earnest about my craft. I mean, do you find yourself at that place? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like in in, in terms of the arc of, of what you've gone through? Oh I'm, yeah, yeah, and it is an arc, you know, because early, early on, you know, you're you're writing songs and you're kind of just playing for yourself, and you're you're singing out into this void, and and then one day, you know, maybe a voice comes back and says, "Hello," you know, and then that's <laughs> remember that's me, a, yeah, you know, and that's a shock, and you have to deal with that, you know, and how does that affect your work, and 
uh, now what do I do? You know? Right. And then you got to get over that and realize, you know, I got to get back to just kind of doing this for me. Yeah. So that I can, you know, I can do it in some genuine way. Now in the music business, like, I guess that like, cause I, I had to sort of catch up with you. I mean, I met you once before at Largo. I can't remember what show that was, but you're sort of integrated into that whole kind of LA sort of, uh, uh, I don't know what, what kind of scene you would call it, but they, they seem to be like, well, well, John Bryant and Amy Mann, are they yeah, your we, contemporaries? I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we all kind of fell together uh, at Largo, you know, a, a long time ago in the pretty early 90s, you know. Um, it's tough to do because everybody's sort of scattered and they're, you know, they're all gypsies, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, you go through long periods where you don't see people that you know. And Are you touring a lot? Uh, yeah, off and on. I have a new record that came out uh, last October. And, um, so I've been out, you know, on that and I'm probably in Europe in a couple of months. Really? Yeah. Where do you go in Europe? Um, I usually go to the UK. I go, uh, do well in Scandinavia. Like what's Scandinavia like? Cause I want to do comedy in Scandinavia. <laughs> it's great. It's I mean, great. I've heard that everyone is beautiful. Like there are supermodels working at the gas station. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of true. You know? <laughs> is it? Yeah. 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 They're, you know, they're the giants and yeah. you know, they're and uh, and they have a great grasp of English, you know. So uh-huh. there's no problem with that, you know. Well, that, I didn't realize that for a long time, and so I, I just kind of I didn't say anything. I just step out on stage, and I just I don't. I, I, you just play, you know, yeah. I just play, you know. I have a, I used to have a real fear of traveling internationally, just because I thought I think that music affords you. I think music's a lot more magical than uh, than comedy. You know, we're just we're just talking and making people laugh. But music, you know, you you can just play a couple chords and like wow take someone to some other place yeah that's that's kind of true huh and you've got a good following i mean you've got fans like you've, you I, I talk to people like you and there are people like oh fuck that guy's the best <laughs> seriously i gotta meet these people i, I hope for, maybe one will come tonight <laughs> you, you know who they are maybe one of them will come tonight. that'd be nice well i mean i'd like uh, to see us as sort of similar <laughs> in that like you, you know we're not you know huge mainstream successes but it seems like we definitely have a loyal bunch yeah do you yeah, find I that i feel like i've just kind of just you know, stayed on a certain path and uh, maybe I've gone off it here and there, but it's kind of the, the forest has kind of grown around me and that's like the scene or something in right. some ways, you know. Yeah. Um, it's something that you really can't seek out. You just kind of, you wind up kind of being thrown into, you know, things those of like mind. and Yeah. Well, I, if you're lucky, I mean, you're, if you stay, if you work, if you continue working and you continue doing what you do, hopefully people will come and there's enough of them to make you a living. So like, no, yeah, I guess that's true. No, no, I, you're right. It can be, you know, <laughs> like I but there was a point, I guess, where you, I mean, did you feel like you were on the precipice of mainstream success? I mean, um, was that what you were gunning for? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was something that, you know, it wasn't necessarily what, uh, what lured me into things, you know, in the early nineties, well, even at the end of the eighties, there were, you know, people were starting to make records pretty cheaply on their own and putting them out on small labels. And I said, that's great. You can do that. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a goal. Um, but you know the label, the label that we were signed to, Slash, had a deal with Warner Brothers, and so quite quickly, when you have a little teeny bit of success, you know, then they go, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna prioritize you. And right. That's what they say. Yeah, that's what they say, and and then you find yourself, you know, doing a lot of shows, playing for industry folks, and you know, you're kind of you kind of push down that certain path, and then and then if it doesn't happen, then everybody's kind of let down, and you feel like, oh fuck, what was I supposed to? What was my job again? Yeah, you know. So you got to get back to that. So is that what happened? Where you a got bit, you a got, bit got of disillusionment? Was it the first record? It wasn't the well. The first one did okay. Uh, did pretty good actually in Europe. Was that the fuzzy? One, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Mighty Joe Moon did did well, and then then uh, 
the third one was was kind of crazy ambitious. I, I just kind of disappeared and and read you know Beach Boys biographies for a year or so and oh really wrote a bunch of songs and and, and uh, put vibraphone and a lot of reverb on every one of them and 13 <laughs> vocals and it was great but it you know maybe we were told it was it was kind of dense oh you know? <laughs> dense yeah yeah too uh, too complicated for the uh for I, the uh, regular palate i guess so you know but i don't know you know when you're when you're band and you're i don't know maybe it must be this way with comedy when when you put out a record and it's your first record you've got like 10 11 songs and you do these songs night after night after night, you get a little bit tired of yourself and you want to, you know, you want to create new material. And oh, it's that feeling where you're like, you actually sit backstage and watch yourself play out there. Yeah. Oh, there you look at him doing that same shit again. By the time you've done it a couple of rounds, you know, you're aching to, to reinvent something. And yeah, well, that's, a, I think that's the creative drive, but I think that the record industry or any sort of industry and in show business that makes a buck off of something you did wants you to do that over and over again as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, that's just it, you know? I mean, things are at odds. Yeah, (laughs) they are. I mean, if you're a creative person, like even if you look at somebody like Tom Petty, who's great, I mean, who I love, Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's a point where, you know, he does the same record a few times, and then he does something like The Last DJ, and you're like, I didn't even understand that record. Mm. I I can't even, I don't even know what happened there. And now he's back to doing what he did, even though it's great and it's still Tom Petty, and he seemed to manage, and you're still happy to hear from him. There there is sort of a, a curiosity in terms of like, is that the, the creative, is that what he wanted to do? Right. Like, is just stay in that groove. Like, there are certain people that depart their groove, which it seems like you did, for creative reasons. And yeah. you take the risk. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was, you know. And, and when I, when the band kind of, when I felt like I had kind of exhausted that, you know, I set the guitar down. I didn't even want to write songs with the guitar so much. I wanted to make noises and... Really? Yeah, I wanted. I really wanted a kind of a fresh start. Like what and, kind of noises? Like Tom Waits noises or more electronic noises? <laughs> well, I love those noises, but I, yeah, more more electronic. You know, the, the computer was becoming more of a tool for me to work with. You know, and now it's just it's it's uh, it's the case. But I've kind of actually gone back and rediscovered my joy of playing the guitar. And, and you like I like the way you play because like I like when people seem to be genuinely having a good time and not acting like they're having a good time. I can tell. Right. Oh, I'm having a good time. I yeah. know. I, yeah. I can tell. It's it's, it's 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 like a, you know, wrestling of an oiled pig playing that guitar, you know, because it's just it wants to to go off and, and howl and <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah. It seems to me that your success has enabled you not to have those moments where you're like, I got to get a job. Well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. That's but, you good. Know, it's 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 a freaky time though in this industry because, uh, you know, the whole record industry. I mean, the bands, a lot of the bands are still around, but the record labels aren't around, and the and the record stores and the the record magazines. It's all on know? us now. We've got to sort of like do our own thing. Yeah, we've got to put ourselves out there. It's kind of horrible, but I mean, it's better. But it's it's more work. I mean, it used to yeah. be a time where it's like, I can just sit around and write all day or think about things, or you could sit around and play all day, but now yeah. we've got to like get our shit out there. It's that's on right. us. Yeah, yeah. And that's, Are you finding yourself doing that more? Yeah, yeah, de- most definitely, you know. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not an introverted person necessarily, but, um, but I'm somewhat shy, you know. If you can be both, you can be oh, kind yeah, of, of a shy extrovert. You sure, know? oh yeah. And The extrovert uh, is usually protecting the shy guy. I guess that's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and I just kind of find it difficult, you know, just to, to find the time to to get out and, you know, with a sandwich board and stand on the street corner and say, look at me, you know. <laughs> Here I am with my guitar and my sandwich board. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'd, r- I'd rather spend that time just, just playing the guitar and writing songs and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's a little bit tough. 
So what's a, you got a new record coming out now? It came out in October, and, and uh, so I'm just, you know, slowly letting it seep in, you know. That's the other thing, that, you know, I've realized that I'm not, I'm not going to go out and, and just blitz everybody and right. jam it down their throat for three months like the, a major label would do. It's going to take me a year to get from, you know. To build it? Yeah, from Los Angeles to Bergen and Oslo and everywhere else that I that I hope to get to. It yeah, is. well, I find that in the sense that like uh, like I've never had a huge following, and now you know because of this the show we're doing right mm-hmm. now, and because I've stayed with it long enough that my issue has always been I always made this assumption that because I'd been on Conan this many times or that I'd been out there that 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 everyone knew me, they've just decided that they didn't like me. Whereas <laughs> like it's got nothing to do with that. Uh, you know, people yeah. might not have registered me at all. Right. So it's really about you know being registered, being seen and staying with it long enough. So I do find that in some places, like a lot of people come, but in other places, nobody comes. But because my self-esteem is what it is, when I'm at a place, when there's 30 people in a room, you know, I'll say this is bullshit, but I'll have great shows. Yeah. Because like sometimes yeah, you're, you're with 200 people. shows sometimes. That's right. Yeah, the yeah. more intimate. It's like, you know, I've often said that I prefer a half a house because there's less pressure. There's less expectations. And the possibility of something happening that will never happen anywhere else is is higher. Right. That's true. Well, that's for sure. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, uh, a few of your shows, quite a few actually over the years at yeah. Largo. And, and um, in fact, uh, it was Valentine's. Do you recall? <laughs> oh boy, a Valentine's show! I can't even imagine what this story is going to lead to. It was. It, uh, Where was it at Largo? It was at Largo. Yeah, and I think, and, and I, I think uh, the uh, the bit had to do with you know some something a bit on the dark side, perhaps. Uh-huh. You know, I think it had to do with mortality uh-huh. and and a, and a funeral or something along those lines. You were there when I got attacked. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the guy you oh know, said, my like, God. don't go there. Right. You know, like, he said, we're all going to take you out, bitch. We're going to take you out. Yeah. And I said, and then I, I shot one back at him. I said, he's still going to take me out, bitch. Well, and he, he did. He did. Got him. You were there? Yeah, it was crazy. That was Valentine's Day? I think it was Valentine's, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> that is so bizarre. You know the who? most memorable Valentine's, uh, you know, well, and, since the massacre. And I, yeah. <laughs> Thank God I was the last act. <laughs> Paul Tompkins was hosting. You know who else was in that room that night with Grantley Phillips? Who? Mick Jones, the lead uh, guitar player of Foreigner. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, for some reason he was there. And Vincent D'Onofrio, the actor. You were all there to witness that. That was Do you remember else. how quickly that fucking room cleared out? You know, and that I remember what happened. The guy came up. He was not. He was standing me off, and I knew I was the last act. I knew I couldn't run because that would look bad. So I was like, I'm gonna have to take a hit because I'm not really a fighter. But I was ready to go. And then he tackled me. And then Flanagan, the owner of the club, came up, and Dave Rath came up and pulled him off me. And that crowd spread. That they split quicker than anything I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, you know, you think that someone's going to watch your back or that crowd dynamic, but everyone was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I want out. It was a pretty uh, exciting thing. I know the joke. But what can you do? I mean, if I was in your shoes, it would be, you know, I think any of us, that's, that's, that's your, that's your place of work. You know? Yeah. That's I, your I, temple. And you that know? had never happened to me before. And out of all places, Largo, you know, the precious little, you know, supportive, uh, uh, arty dinner theater. Yeah. You know, I get, I get jumped. I never understood that about hecklers in general, especially those kind where it's like, mm-hmm. you can't say that. It's like, dude, just leave. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> you're just a member of an audience. You're like, I don't agree with this. I'm going to go. Not like, uh-uh, no. What is that? <laughs> what is that? I don't understand what that is. Yeah. But you don't have to experience that shit as a, as a musician, do you? Oh, goodness. You know what? I mean, I, most, most of the time, people are, are, are respectful. But now and then you, you get those folks that come and I don't know, I, I had it happen maybe a year ago. I was in Boston and um, it, 
it's usually in Boston when this happens. Of course, yeah, Boston. <laughs> who's, this, who's this fucking guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a couple of guys at a, at a table right in front. They're always right in front, you know, and, and I just had to say, hey, you know what? You've been jabbering through the whole show, and that's great. You know, I do a bit of film composing, so I'm used to, you know, making the music fit underneath the dialogue but uh <laughs> yeah maybe maybe you know we want to we want to get on with the show yeah you know yeah. and um oh god and they would not stop it would not stop and you're getting angry and it's starting to affect your performance yeah well you're that's what maybe happens. glaring a bit yeah that and kind of thing happens did it get uh, awkward or uncomfortable um I, eventually they they uh they bailed on their tab they got up and left, you know, bailed on their tab. But they left their credit card behind, though. So. Oh, they did? Yeah. So They I, thought they were making a statement, yeah. and they still left the credit card behind? That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So the but waitress wasn't pissed off? No, no. You don't want the waitress to be pissed off? No, you never Because do. the waitress in that particular situation would have been mad at you. You know, because yeah, it's right. sort of like, why'd you have to? They left without paying me because you couldn't perform for talking people. That's right. <laughs> So, you know, I, I got to ask you, I, I mean, I was asking Nick Foon about this earlier, you mm. know, you're a guitar player. I mean, were you ever kind of uh, poised with that, that moment where you go, ah, you know what, I go this way, comedy, and I go this way with a guitar. Do I bring my guitar down the comedy path or do I bring my comedy down the guitar path? Um, well, you know, with me, it's like I, you know, I've played guitar a long time and, and yeah. I love playing guitar, but I, because of my insecurity, I, I never understood that. You know, when I when I was going when I would have made that decision, mm -hmm. I never understood that, you know, virtuosity in 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 playing rock and roll is is only relative to feeling and, and basic skills. So what I'm saying is that, like, I never thought I was good enough to, to play like that. You know, it took me years to really understand that, you know, you the, the trick of playing guitar and singing is is getting your feeling through your skills. It's right. not like being the best or any of that shit. Right, that's it's right. Ex it's expressing yourself. Yeah. So I, I just don't think I made that jump. And also I sweat a lot when I play guitar. And uh, I never... <laughs> I never really, I just was too afraid. Uh, but I do make a joke about it that like, you know, in my darkest moments when I'm like, I think comedy's not going to work out, I actually say to myself, well, maybe it's time to get the band together. <laughs> and uh, and I've never been in a band. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, that's just like sort of going from the second lowest rung on show business to ladder to the lowest. Because like at this point, what, I'm going to get into a van and I'm going to drive around with three guys my age? It's not going to happen. Uh, but God. guys our age are, are, are coming out of nowhere. And uh, and actually, you know, succeeding. Like oh, yeah. I mean, they've been like the hold steady. I went to see those guys at Bumper Shooter. No, was it? No, oh, it was in Austin, South by Southwest. They got to be our age, yeah. And they've been kicking around forever. And I, I just think that I've always believed that you know people who pay their dues and and know themselves and know who they are with their craft. I mean, they they are forced to be reckoned with. It's just that the entire commercialization and the entire. Uh, Momentum of the business is just to get kids to like things. And if they can get kids to like other kids, they'll sell that. Right. So it's sort of watered everything down. But guys yeah. like you are, are probably at your best right now. I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, there are things that you get better at, you know. And, oh, and, hell yeah. And, um, and more yeah, honest so. and deeper and the wisdom comes through. Yeah. But uh, there was no way I was going to do guitar comedy. That was well, like a, I think a you known. made the right the right choice. Hopefully uh, tonight my voice will hold up. See, I do this thing where I decide that I'm going to lose my voice yeah. anytime I have to do something important. But I want to thank you for hey, making me you. look good. Thank uh, you. And thanks for talking today. This and, is good. Oh, it was great. And uh, and I'm looking forward to playing tonight.
please welcome Mr. Mark Marin. Yay. Oh, look at you. So, uh, yeah, bring the rock. I, um, fuck, you know, I gotta be honest with you. This is uh, actually terrifying for me. I'm gonna play that guitar in front of you. Now, the reason I'm terrified happened when I was 15 years old. I put, the, I put together a band at a music camp. And uh, of course the guys that I chose to be in my band were all fuck-ups. Every one of them, they, they couldn't play. Uh, Robert, the drummer, uh, was a pothead. Uh, the other guys, could, well, essentially what happened, and this is just a setup for the story so you know where I'm at, is that there was a competing band at the music camp. And these were these nerdy guys, and it was the night of the performance, and I think these guys went on stage and played an entire Genesis album. <laughs> Perfectly. And we couldn't even fucking get through Johnny Be Good without one of the guys throwing up. I mean, it was unbelievable. So that's where I am with, uh, with stage fright, but I don't feel that bad. So let's sing a Grateful Dead song that makes me cry. done this before. It's going to be fun. Why is it buzzing? Oh, 
Oh my fucking god that went it went great it fucking went great i, w- I want to go up there and do the other song on the same show i want to do this for the rest of my life i've made the wrong decision i'm so fucking relieved all right i'm just gonna enjoy this i'm just gonna be high for a while all right and i'm gonna go downstairs and talk to people as they walk out about me i'm very excited I'm here with Greg Barrent, who's taken me in this new direction. He's going in a new direction, but but what he did for me last night was give me the opportunity to uh, to sing and play on stage to the point where you know tonight's the second show, and I'm cocky. I'm I'm like you know I'm ready. Can I do both songs? You don't mind if I jam with the band a little in between shows, do you? Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Um, Why are we so afraid of it though? Because last night you sang. That was really the first time you sang on stage in front of people. Really tried to sing. Yeah, not just some or not some horseshit punk song that I made up that was stupid lyrics. From it's years weird, ago. right? Because you can like you feel more present than, than you ever do and you're very self-conscious yeah well i last week my my daughters have a um uh, a piano teacher and uh she gives voice lessons so i just said come over and give me a voice lesson and i started singing with her and she goes yeah you got it and that was all the permission i needed i was like really she goes yeah you got it you were in tune the entire time you need to figure out how to transition and sing the vowels just always if you get stuck sing the vowels you can't sing a consonant yeah and uh and that was it for one lesson. So then I'm like, well, now I've got a now I got a new career. I'll just go ahead and drop stand up because I can. Well, can I really sing? So it's, it's like it's like pretty. It's like Chris Isaacy, really? Yeah, okay. So, but it was fun just to get that permission and then figure you got to take a risk. I don't know at this point. I've done enough. Now it's time to take some risks and have some fun. I, I was just saying that, you know. I, I mean, I was just thinking that uh, or saying it. Maybe I just said it in my head, and I, I consider it said. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> is that a? Uh, not not so much career risks that that like you know how long am I going to hold on to this fear? I mean I, I find that in our lives so many of the things that are obstacles or fears are like they're whatever we were afraid of is gone. Yes, it it doesn't exist. I mean I mean there 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 are emotional fears that I have that are that are probably like from when I was seven. Yes, and I'm wired that way. Well, but think about what we do as st- like the. One of the things people are afraid of the most is stand up and talking in front of people. And we do that nightly. Yeah. So how bad could the rest of it go? Like when you're by yourself and you're not being funny and a crowd tells you to fuck off and someone says something like that, that's as vulnerable and as open as you can get. And we both had that happen to us and lived 
Yeah. Not only to tell the story, but to get better by it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how much of a risk am I going to take playing guitar? I don't care if I'm not a great guitar player. I like playing. Right. It's fun to do, and there's nothing like playing with a band. Right. Or trying any of these other things. Well, I think what I was talking about with Grant, and I think what is true, is, and I, I talked about this with Nick Thune the, the last night, too, is that it's it's not really about, like, if you are capable, if mm-hmm. you have the craft, enough of it to, to, to at least, you know, represent yourself in an honest way if you're honest i mean that's you know if if you can get your feelings across i mean that's what counts yeah certainly in rock and roll absolutely i mean virtuosity is is rare you you know but 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 good honest you know singing or playing guitar it isn't and i and i think that you know us admitting that we're we're amateurs uh, on some level is good but but also it's it's sort of like that even diminishes it a little bit. I mean, we're just we're just singing. Well, know? the other thing is too is like there's there's when you're young, everything you do, you think, "Fuck, I got This is what I'm going to do," and then it's got to it's got to mean something. But when you get older, you're like, "I'll just do this, and if it's fun and I like it, I'll just keep doing it." And if people show, you know, I have a surf and ska band. Who gives a shit? But I do. Right. And I like it, and I play in it. We make music, we make yeah. records, and I do it. I'm not looking for an outcome other than I can listen to it in my car. Yeah, but 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 that but that's not completely true because like in that both of us made a choice to do comedy when we were very young. Right. And and the weird thing about comedy, I think one of the things you're wrestling with that I think is interesting is that we don't really know where it's going to take us. And we had this brief conversation about how when we were younger and you're driving to these one nighters for fifty dollars and you're drinking and you're you know you're a hundred miles out from any city and you just perform for seven people right. you know, through a guitar our amp and yeah they let and they <laughs> yeah. left the tv on yeah. yeah that you know how you know, how does how is this going to turn into anything right and and you know what that means but the one thing i know about comics and the one thing i know about myself is that you can't quit is that no. you can't quit so this idea that we're younger and like you know you just sort of you you, you hook your dreams on this or you, you know whatever you may think uh, something unlike anything i've ever seen before is once you're doing a, if you're five years into comedy there's so much pride involved into it and yep. how do you quit I mean, how does anybody quit? I've never known anybody that quits. If you quit, you better not have made any sort of mark on anything yeah. and just been able to disappear into the real world yeah. because there's such a tragic sense of like, well, fuck, if I throw the towel in, you know, who the hell am I? And like, I, I lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you've got 20 years of it. But I do, I, I do find sometimes that it's like, it, there are days where I think, do, is, do I have more to say that's more interesting than someone like Matt Bronger, who I'll go see and go, shit, that guy's great. Or any of the other, you know. No, I uh, experienced that too. Like, Harris yeah. Whittles sure, or any sure. of these guys where you go, fucking well done, sir. And then do I, should I stand in line and be in front of that guy? Or should I get out of line and let him go? And should I find something else to do? And yet I find myself do, continuing to do it. Whether I, almost whether I want to or not, I continue to do it. Well, no, but you're a thoughtful guy. You're an intense guy. You've got you've got a unique performance style that you've honed. I mean, I think that when you look at somebody like Bronger, the difference between those type of comics and us is that we choose to talk about our struggles, our self awareness, right. you know, our experience. You know, you, you have children. You have uh, you know, you're in recovery as well. You don't mind me saying that? Not at all. Uh, you, you know, so so we're doing a different type of stand up. Right. We're really speaking experientially, whereas some of right. these guys are just like you know they're 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 caricatures of themselves which is not to diminish them so what i'm finding interesting about where you are in your career is that you know you you have a certain amount of financial freedom now because of of creative choices you made that were fine i mean you know you did the book 
Right. Uh, she's just not that into you, right? She's just not that into you. And, and then you, you took a series of opportunities from that, yes. which were lucrative and provided you and your family with a certain amount of, of comfort. Yeah. And now, you know, the, the, it's interesting when you talk about on stage how you're at this juncture where, you know, you feel that this this thing you created, which there, there's nothing wrong with it, but it created sort of a monster in terms yeah yeah in terms of of what you have to deal with in in, in relation to your craft as a stand up is yes. that now you're seen as this this other guy right which is which is uh uh and and you have to know too that the book was a an absolute afterthought the show was done sex in the city which i was a writer on the idea was launched there when i was with with i was with one of the writers who was a girl who was seeing a guy that wouldn't fuck her and she said you know, what, what's the deal? I go, he doesn't fucking like you. If I like you, I fuck you. That's just how it goes, right? And that was it. And it became sort of this thing that we all talked about and it made it into an episode. And then later on, Liz Tuchillo, the other author, said, I think there's a book idea in this. And I go, well, I don't, I, I go, I'm not going to, I can't pontificate. I don't know how to, but if you ask me questions, I'll answer them. So the book is a series of me being asked questions exactly like that one. The fucking answer's on the cover. It's the same answer over and over and over and it just gets more and more severe from if he doesn't call you to if he's a drunk and hits you it goes to that level but was this book written as a comedy book in your yes, mind on some level it was written it was written yes the answers were kind of snarky and funny and and everything because it was very self-evident to me right um but we did it you know because i'm a, a sober guy i did it with that kind of like but you're you wanted person. to help yeah you're a good person why why should you have a shitty life why would you continue a series of bad decisions why would you be with someone who doesn't want to do the shit that you want to do right life's too short so we wrote it for fun we didn't get paid anything to do it it was on a novelty book label that made the man show books and we put it out and we just let it go liz will tell you that she knew it was going to be a big deal i just went about my business entertaining 13 people at the baltimore improv <laughs> and it got on Oprah, and it became it just became this thing which uh, then you don't know who I, I remember coming off Oprah and the first thing I said to my wife was, what did I just do to my stand up career? Because I knew it was going to be bigger than anything that I probably will ever do again. Right. Uh, and, it, and that's what it became. And it was fun. You're right. Opportunities, another book. Do you want to do a TV show? And, and they're the, also the only opportunities I got. Like nobody was asking me to do anything but those kinds of, of things. Of course. I mean, this was your ticket. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. And I took those opportunities and I enjoyed them. But at the same time, uh, dudes stopped coming to the shows. Everybody who didn't read the book, who was a guy, had a preconceived idea about who I was. People who didn't know me had a preconceived idea, stereotype about it, as I would. I wouldn't go see the author of Venus and Mars do right. stand-up. Right. No, I just I, wouldn't. I remember doing right. Alex Bennett's show with him. He's a bore. You wouldn't want to. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you, you, you make these assumptions. And so, anyway, um, and, and it became women, 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 women. And they'd come out to the show. Sometimes they like them, but they ultimately wanted more information about dating. And in New York, on the 20th anniversary of my doing stand-up, there was a table full of girls. Hey, where Caroline's? Caroline's, and it was packed Thursday night. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it a was. big room. It's a big room. It's like four hundred people. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, girl just wouldn't shut up. And I tried everything I could that I know, all my skills. Yeah. And I finally said, Jesus fucking Christ, you ruined the show for every. You sh fucking ruined it. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Who the fuck are you? And I'm not handling it. It's not going well. Yeah. And she starts crying, oh. bawling. Oh. And. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, shit. And she reaches down. She grabs the book out of her purse. And she lifts it up in the air so everyone in the room can see it. My boyfriend broke up with me. And then I got this book. And I just would. And she starts crying. Dude stands up at the back of the room and goes, well, no wonder nobody will fuck you. Oh, New York. Yeah. Another guy stands up and goes, oh, fuck her. <laughs> and I fucking threw the book down. I mean, I threw my mic down. And I walked off stage. And I called my manager from the, uh, from the green room. Had you done your time? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. But not all of it. No. Right. And she'd wrecked it. I mean, she ruined the whole fucking show. I got no laughs. I mean, it was a terrible night. And I went back and I called my manager and I said, I'm fucking done. I can't do this anymore. This isn't what I got into this for. Put me on the road. Let me open for Louis C.K. Let yeah. me do something. I go, yeah. call, maybe Marin and I could go. Yeah. Like, really, like, I just want to do comedy in front of people that like comedy. And if I can't, I don't want to do this because this is babysitting. And as much as I like these people, this isn't what I do. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. And, and so he did. He took me off the road. And, um, and I sort of shut down an income stream. That would still be very good for me, but I was miserable. I was totally miserable. And uh, I'm like, the only person who can change this is me. And I can only change this by going back and getting back involved in the comedy community and doing UCB and doing all the sure. things that I could do. And literally, I did I did a, a, another podcast. I did a Jimmy Pardo's podcast, uh, like maybe six months later. And there were people that wrote in and went, I didn't know you still did comedy. Or I didn't know you were funny. Or I didn't know yeah. this is, like, they just, people didn't know. And I realized I had, if I wanted to do this, I needed to put more time into it, but in the right way. Yeah, well, that, it's just like, it, to me, it's an amazing story. And, and obviously, you know, you're not going to get uh, people feeling sorry for you. And, and I don't want them to. No, I know that. I, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that, like, it's just interesting how people judge us in, in show business in general is that, you know, we set out to do something that, that's right. our thing. Right. And you really don't know you know, how the opportunity is going to come or what no. the hell is going to pop. I right. mean, I've done some shit that I'm glad didn't take off. I've hosted a game show because I was broke yeah. on VH1 and totally. it didn't take off. Right. Yeah, I need the money. But it's just interesting that you had this tremendous amount of success with this thing that like I knew in my heart was it must have been written as sort of a funny thing. And I, I, I guess there was no way to know it would take off like it did. No. But then like I couldn't imagine when you were doing that, the syndicated show. Just from my own personal point of view, like I'd been given an opportunity to host a type of show like that where you had people with problems and you had to be the guy right. to sort of like, you know, be the buffer or, or the solver or the, yeah. the, you know, solver being, you know, S-A-L-V-E-R, if that's a word to, to solve yes. you know, what's right. going on. Or yes. to actually I'm a human poultice. Right, right. Or, or to even help problem solve. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, given our experience in recovery and stuff, I think that we are just as equipped as any, you know, uh, uh, crackpot psychologist on TV. Yes, but we, but you don't want the burden of that. So right. when I saw you doing that, like I watched it a couple of times, and literally I had this moment where it's, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, I, that can't be easy for him. I, I'm not going to watch this anymore. No, <laughs> it's that weird thing too, where as a as a person recovery, I go, well, this is like service. So this right. is like this is, I mean, it's paid service, which is not right. really what it's supposed to be. But maybe I can bring something to bear there. I mean, I have always from the from the very get go. From as soon as I got sober, my stand-up has always had a small undercurrent of "Don't fucking blow this thing." Right. I'm, you know, I, I am, a, I am a genuinely optimistic person, and I genuinely believe anyone can do whatever they want with their lives. And so many people fucking waste it, and they don't take risks, and they don't try shit, and then it's over. It's over quick. And I have always tried to say, "Look, man," especially when my first special, which was called "Fantastic," I was like, "Look." If you're a dude and you're stuck in that fucking stereotype of being a man, you're going to miss this experience, man. You know, don't just be a fucking sports guy. Don't, you know, don't don't limit yourself while you're here. And so that's always been a part of my thing. Right. And um, uh, and I thought I could do that. And the show was just it was just hard. And it's an everyday thing. And the other thing I didn't like was they bring in people who are genuinely fucked up and then they just they come in. You try that was and the throw something thing. at them. Like, I can't. I can't. Like they're, they're like, you know, go harder at them. Like, you know, take it. It's insane, and and because what they want is something that they can tease in the credits. Right. They want they want conflict, and they want you to yell, and then they want to show it. Was there a specific moment where you're looking at these people and you're like, I can't, I can't push them anymore? Yes, a couple times, and then I and I, a couple times where I came off stage and would say to the producer, "You fucking go out there," because these are people, asshole. And then later on, they're going to go home. We've given them nothing. 
we don't have any money. This isn't Oprah. They're going to go home. We're going to throw some psychologist at them in their in their fucking local area. We've and just exploited them. Yeah. And yes, sure, we gave the guy new yeah. teeth. Yeah. And yeah, we had to kick those people off because of lice. And yeah. yes, these people just want to be on television. <laughs> and yes, the entire audience is paid junkies. They bust in an audience of fucking homeless and junkies. The whole thing was just, ah, it was gross. It's it dirty. Same, that it's kind of really TV dirty. is dirty. It's really dirty. And even the stuff, even with you doing a higher brow version of that with comedic elements and, and right. using guys that we know like Dave and, and Dave Anthony and people, yep. is that when you're in that world, and I just did a pilot for something like that, and I was like, this is filthy. And like I once did Montel on a comedy showcase years ago, and just being in it, it just feels dirty. It feels evil. It does, and it and it's it, yeah, because those things are just money making machines. They're exploiting they aren't. people's pain in such a shameless yeah. way. Yep, and and Oprah does it. I mean, uh, to a certain level, and I, I, she also does a lot of good for people. But you know, watch the teasers for her show. I mean. They bring in the same fucked up people. She had they sex with her things. father. Right. Boom. And now she's in pornography yeah. and drugs. Right. Is there hope for her? Right. I mean, and you watch her. I remember one where the, where the teaser was Oprah saying, and then he ejaculated on your face. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Like even Oprah has to, that's the tease. That's the thing that well, they were thrilled about in the booth when they got it. And, and so it feels like it, it just is gross. Now, I li I've listened to every single one of your show because I really enjoy it, but I feel like you do something like this, it's sort of like a book. People can listen to you, they can take their information from you. You're not telling anybody how to do anything. You're sharing your experience, whatever, your strength. Your, your, you know, I, I like listening to you struggle through your personality because I've known you for a long time. And people can listen to that and they go, well, Mark did this. And he's not telling me I have to do this. He's saying this is what I did. And that's what, that kind of thing I think can be very helpful for people. They yeah, can make the decision while listening to you, right. but you're not, pontificating right and that that's the difference i think it's great to be able to say to somebody well you know what i mean shit people go how do you lose weight i go well i did this this and this but it may not work for you that's the only way to do it because like i made a conscious decision that because when i was angrier and and a little more self-righteous you know you 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 can focus your anger in a way that that makes it condescending but it doesn't necessarily mean that i felt that way about what i was angry about because it wasn't angry about that i'm just an angry guy right so when you get down to the core of it you know that there's fear and then on top of that there's you know there's sadness and then there's anger that you know the the individual experience that's what needs to be traced yep. that's what needs to be parsed and that's what needs to be shared is that look you know when young comics say you know i want i want to do what you do i literally say well i don't recommend my process because no. it's inconsistent, uh, it doesn't always work, yep. and 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 it's unique to me. Not out of a decision I made. It's just I don't know how to do it any other yep. way. But this is what I do, right? And yeah, and be inspired that that uh, that that the what, here's what's also great about listening when I've listened to the show. None of us do it the same way, yet all of us have the same experiences. And regardless of content, from Mencia to David Cross. It, it, we all, you know, to use your phrase, we built our clown, but we all do it a certain way. I can't write the way Patton does. I cannot sit down and do it. I have to work it out on stage. Right. I have to come up me with too. a handful of thoughts, say it a bunch of times and the shit that sticks. And I never do the bit the same. There's yeah, always pieces I'm the that same stay way, yeah. and some that go. And I, I've never been able to do it any other way. That just has to be my process. Yeah. It means it takes me longer to write. It means sometimes I'm dreadful, but that's how it goes. Right. You know, um, and I think that, People, we're such a self-help addicted nation and we just, we're constantly telling people how much they're doing things wrong. Every show is about how you should be doing it better and how you're doing it wrong. Right. And it's horrible and we're yeah. addicted to it. And yeah. one thing we never do is look at ourselves and go, well, what do I want to do? How am I going to fix it? And then just take a little bit from, people are like, why don't you write more books? I go, because I said what I need to say. Take a little bit of mine, 
grab something else. It's like a fucking buffet. Yeah. Yeah, Take, and build your own ideology, build your own religion, build your own thought process, because that's the only way it's going to work for you. I can't do what Eckhart Tolle did. Yeah, I can't even listen to him. Though. I can't. I tried to read his book. I'm like, I don't even know how you you do your thing, but it works for. It must work for him on but some, some level. Some of that, some of it's shtick too. Yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, that's the other issue with self help is that like, you, you know, you can write uplifting shit, but like with you, I mean, you're pretty genuine, you know, and you've always had, you know, you're always a, a sort of glass half full guy, and and, yep. and you, and I think your clarity around uh, your self awareness and what you think people should do is good and it's earned, uh, you know, because I think one of the things we all struggle with is like I'm a guy that there were times where I would be so incapacitated by fear that like I you know, I couldn't fucking get out of bed. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I literally and it wasn't depression. It was just right. sort of like the idea of the rest of the day or tomorrow, <laughs> you, you know, was like, you know, what the fuck is going to happen? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, how the hell do I get out of this? You know, what is anything ever going to work out? You know, period. Yeah. I don't think that's depression. But I just no. think that that these obstacles that we have to uh, that we have to sort of that people deal with every day. And that's always been my thought yep. uh, with this with this show and living my life right now is that every day is a fucking heroic journey for most people, because if they're at all aware of, of their their fear and their pain or their their uh, the, the, the things they want to do, mm -hmm. even if they're just sitting there in their cubicle. I mean, what's going on inside them? It's like it's massive. No, it, completely. It's life threatening. But there's a difference. I think you make a good you make a really good point. There's a difference between how is it going to work out, which is fear. And it's not going to work out with his depression. Right. Depression is it's not fucking going to work out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where people go. They're like, they're hopeless because they go, I mean, that's sort of at the end of my drinking. I go, this doesn't end well. This is the end. This is what the end feels like. It goes like this. I fucking am hopeless and shitty and fat and unfunny and all of those things. But how's it going to work out is a fear, but it can be overcome. You just have to fucking put, you just got to get out of bed. You just got to push yourself out But that's just it. The it's the weirdest thing is like there are those tricks you learn in recovery where it's sort of like you're exactly where you need to be. What do you mean? I'm fucking miserable. <laughs> Why are you saying that? But yeah. then when you really think about the logic of, well, where else could I be? Right. Yeah, like in that moment, if you don't accept your process, I mean, and really accept it, like, oh, it's just a bad day. Right. It's not the end of the fucking world. Right. Because if you have that disposition where it's like, you know, this day's bad, every day's going to be bad, you're going to make it happen. Yeah. No, and look, you got to, like, take your shit. And, like, the, the, the great thing, one of the things that Amira and I, in the second book, the thing we wrote about how to get through a breakup, was just, like, you can take your fucking disaster and use it as an excuse for reinvention. Now, the real, real truth is, when the talk show got canceled... And we had a third book in line. We got by, dropped by our publisher. I got dropped by my agent. I got dropped after by the my, second yeah, book. After the after the talk show got canceled, oh. and after the second book, we had a third book slotted. We got dropped by our publisher. Yeah, I lost my my agent. Left. I Your lost my agent. manager. Quit. I fired my book agent. Like I lost in, in a period of two weeks. I lost everything, and the phone actually genuinely stopped ringing completely. I was completely career done because they all said well you know they built a machine for him and the machine didn't work played out that's right. how that played out and it's done we need we need nothing from him we need nothing from he can't him. sell our shit we don't know what he to doesn't do have with a machine him. anymore he doesn't have anything to do with it yeah. so and don't feel and i don't feel bad no right but i mean that just like people yeah. you hear those stories and you go that doesn't really happen no it does it really does and you lose all your people i lost my agency i lost everything of that kind of of that machine and, and a lot of people listening to this may think like well you know these are luxury problems or whatever but you you have to take into mind that you know not unlike whatever job you do uh, out there this is our job and and you know however well we do when this juncture happens that you know all of a sudden that you everybody represents you everyone who's part of facilitating your your income 
says, you know, fuck it. I mean, that's a, that's like being fired. That's it, it totally is. And and uh, uh, and again, I didn't feel bad for myself, but it gave me the opportunity to. That's when I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to learn how to play guitar. I'm going to I'm going to I just I got time now and I don't have anything to say and I don't want to be doing the self-help stuff. I'll take guitar lessons. That's all I'm going to do. And then within six months, it evolved into me writing a piece of music to go on stage to to having a band and going, oh, fuck. Well, that was that's what was meant to be. I'm supposed to go down this path now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now and now I'm giving myself permission. And I remember I, I specifically I got this. Somebody gave me this fantastic picture of the Clash and I put it up in my office and I said, the next things that I do, if it doesn't look like this picture, if it doesn't feel like this picture looks of the Clash, I'm not going to do it. So when somebody would offer me a game show, <laughs> yeah, I'd walk down to the picture. I'm not shitting you. I'd walk down to the picture and look at the picture of the Clash and go, I'm not fucking doing a game show. And I go back and call my manager. And go, I'm not doing the game show. I need money too, whatever. I got kids and blah, blah, blah. But also I was like, I can't feel that shitty thing again. From here on out, it's got to feel like it matters. It's got to be bring the rock or it's got to yeah. be something that I at least feel like, it, you know, th that doesn't mean that I'm going to make only punk rock things. Right. You know, right. Clash were a pop band really when you break it down. The, I'm glad you qualified. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, right. You know, I mean, I'm fucking no doubt it's my favorite band. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh -huh. I love, uh, I love polka dots. Yeah. But the point is, is that, uh, um, I get to decide how it goes from here on out. Yeah. And, and, and because of all those things that happened, I just got to clean house yeah. and then I got to reinvent. And then, and so for me, it was a great opportunity, but it was a weird thing to know people will leave you. Yeah. They will bail on you when you stop working for them. Oh yeah, and you can't. I was get fortunate phone calls. never to have made anyone that much money to to ever. Yeah. Yeah, right, but it's gonna. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's changing for you now. Oh yeah, okay. it is changing for you All right. now. All right. Well, I'll tell you one thing I know about you. What's that? You're a good guy. Thank you. So are you. And I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Okay, buddy.
got to be honest with you, folks. I mean, that was... It wasn't that it was a rush. It wasn't even that it was cathartic. But getting on stage and playing guitar and singing felt like I was supposed to be doing it. That it was stupid that I hadn't done it. I enjoy it so much, and that fear had stopped me from doing it. When I rehearsed with the guys, I realized these guys are professional. They're not judging me. I can hold my own here. I know how to play guitar a bit. I know this song. I learned it. And that we're going to have a good time up here. We're going to work together. We're all going to we're going to be musicians playing together. And that made me feel great. And and then all of a sudden I just realized that the way that I think people judge me is is so negative that I invent an audience in my mind of people that are saying, "Wow, this is embarrassing. This sucks. He really isn't good at this. Wow, I just I had no idea it would be this bad." That it was something I wrote a long time ago. Most of what other people think is something I make up. And, I, and it's always bad. And I think walking through the fear, it was just interesting. I just, I was prepared. I wanted to do it. I knew, I know I had to do it for myself. I felt comfortable with the material. And I decided that the audience was going to be supportive. And I did it. And, it. and it feels great. It felt like, a, like, it was like skydiving to other people. It was like something sort of like, before I die, I need to do that. And I, I just think that the fear was ridiculous. I just feel thrilled. Yeah, just to walk through that fear. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. If you need anything WTF related, go to WTFpod.com. Get your get your Audible uh, book there through that link. You can get your JustCoffee.coop. You can get your, uh, you go to StandUpRecords.com and check out that catalog. Maria Bamford, Doug Stanhope, myself, several other artists on there. Uh, please go to punchlinemagazine.com as well to get up to speed on uh, on all the comedy news. I mean, Louis C.K. did an exclusive uh, interview there. Uh, what else? You can send a donation of any kind. You know, your $250 donation does get you three of my CDs, a Best of What the Fuck CD, two T-shirts, uh, some stickers, and a signed postcard. And I would love to give that stuff to you. So make a donation. Go to the website. Enjoy yourselves. And... Uh, I don't know. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yeah? I don't know. I'll talk to you later. Bye.